Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Millions of Screens, IndieWire's TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's show, we'll be chatting his dark materials, which miniseries we'd be willing to sit through in a theater, and a fun game based on all the potential streaming options forthcoming. They're called limited series now. Oh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> wow. Limited. That's why we're the experts. That's why I'm the rude. And you're the producer. <laughs> I'm gonna start I love that no one agrees to that, though. Like, it's still both. Hell it's just yeah. that all the award shows have switched over, so it's just like, okay, I guess we'll call them limited series. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Now it's time for The Clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Libby, His Dark Materials premieres tonight. Yes. It does. What can you tell us about it? HBO's newest fantasy series is an adaptation of the successful Philip Pullman uh, trilogy about... Oh, how would you describe it? Is this related at all to that movie that bombed it several is. years ago? Okay, it I just want to make sure. That was the also... Golden Compass. The, the Golden first, Compass. The Starring Nikki Kidman. Yes. And other people. Yes. Daniel Craig? I don't know. Yes. Yes? Eva Green. Oh, wow. The old guy with the big bushy mustache that I think was on the ranch. Sam Elliott? Sam Elliott? Yeah. He, he played the Lin-Manuel Miranda part. Wow. Wow. So wait, his spirit animal was a bunny? I'm going to do a side-by-side, here's who played who in the movie versus the TV show. Because you can't get more disparate, I don't think, than <laughs> Sam Elliott and Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a choice uh-huh. that was made. But it centers around a, a young girl uh, who is an orphan who goes on this great adventure. It's very philosophical. It's in a, a version of a universe not unlike our own, but the biggest difference is that people have animal companions that are kind of an outward manifestation of their soul, which is amazing. Yes. Kind of like a Patronus. But amazing and changeable until they go through puberty. What do you mean changeable? They can switch out their animal companion? Yeah, it's a shapeshifter. Their animal is a shapeshifter? Kind of like the alebrijes in uh, Coco? Yeah. You like how... Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I just am so glad you mentioned Coco. My favorite Pixar movie of the last... I don't know, 10 years? It's very good. So there's these fantastical animal elements. Yes, but it's it's very much dealing with dark themes. It's dealing with senses of identity and right and wrong. And it's just really good. It is not a perfect adaptation. It is a better adaptation than the film was. It talks about things that, that aren't being talked about elsewhere on television. It grapples with the idea of what is it to have this outside representation of yourself and what happens if you don't like what you see, which I think is a very adult quandary that is interesting through the eyes of a child. But uh, I don't know what to tell you about it because I don't want to spoil anything. It's eight episodes in its first season, has already been picked up for a second series, or uh, for a second season series in the UK where it debuted last night. Are they are the seasons related to each of the of the books or no? They are. Okay. So this first season is based on the events from the Golden Compass. 
Season two will focus on the subtle knife. The third is called The Amber Spyglass. It has not yet been picked up for a third season, but I really do hope it does because I feel like the series only gets better and, and more interesting as it goes along. At that point, you'd think HBO would be pot committed and they'd be like, well, we made two thirds of this thing. Basically, Let's and they aren't, they aren't footing the bill themselves since it is a co-production with the BBC. Co-pros. I was going to ask if that had any sort of motivation for why it's airing on Monday nights. I know that, that HBO has seen success, especially with something like Chernobyl airing on Monday nights. It could be seen as just kind of a, a preview of what's to come in terms of HBO because we've gotten so used to them kind of having their one big ticket draw over the course of like two to three months on Sunday nights, and now they're moving into more and more programming, so they want to get audiences used to the fact that, hey, we're going to have a couple of, of huge things happening all at once, slash all the time, so that you can become a little more dependent or expectant on, you know, those type of big series all at once. Ben, you brought up Chernobyl, which was nominated for limited series this past year. With the release of The Irishman in theaters, uh, we thought it'd be fun to pose a little question around the table. What miniseries would you be willing to sit in a theater through just because The Irishman is sort of notably long? Because The Irishman is going to be available streaming in a matter of weeks, that people could simply wait to watch it that way if they wanted to and not have to sit in the theater for four hours uh, to get through it all. What would you be willing to sit in the theater for for four hours if you knew it was going to be available streaming anyway? Even even having hindsight as your guide. So like you know that this is a miniseries that you'd want to maybe pay the money and spend the time sitting isolated alone on a big screen. Personally, I think the obvious choice is Olive Kitteridge, but I would love to see that in a big screen, if only because I really thought that the, like, one being kind of transported over to Maine, just for kicks and giggles, would be a great experience. But two, sitting in that world of Olive Kitteridge is very enveloping. Like, you, it's not necessarily a happy place to be, um, but it does kind of, take you away in a different sensory experience. So I would, for one, love to give that a chance on the big screen. And if that so happened, I would definitely do it. I jokingly suggested that I would watch Empire Falls. And then you mentioned being taken to Maine by, and I was like, Empire, I'm almost certain Empire Falls also takes place in Maine. Are they, yeah, I think so. It's was definitely HBO, a, was HBO a northeastern. Just, were they just doing a genre? <laughs> it was like Maine miniseries. Well, I mean, you gotta you gotta remember, a lot of TV is character driven. It's it's uh, a writer's medium because you it, traditionally you're used to seeing it on a smaller screen. So the way that they can kind of create that intimacy isn't necessarily through big giant spectacle and visual effects. It's through characters and development and emotional ties and kind of those smaller, more personal connections that you can make that way. You can only make those um, in and Maine. you can only make them in Maine. Yeah, I mean, that <laughs> you tracks. Can, you can only make them in the Northeast. <laughs> but small town stories and, and personal dramas that are kind of isolated like that, that, that befits the... You, you want know, a beautiful so. setting. You want rough waters. You I want do. You want lobster? Lobster sure. rolls? Yeah. Yeah, lobster. Yeah. I mean, I want all these things. That's 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 what gets me and that's into why, the movie theater. And that's so. why you went with Empire Falls. Fantastic. <laughs> Great pick, Ben. Libby, what would what is quite good. Libby, what miniseries would, would you would you want to sit through in a theater? You know, it it was hard because uh Ben stole my choice. But Sorry. no, you're not. So you Your were also going to pick Empire Falls. I was <laughs> A lot of Ed Harris fans in the yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, it's, but I I have to go with one that's that's longer, which I would 
eventually regret, but I've definitely sat through Eventually regret. I've definitely sat through those like movie marathons where you spend 12 hours in a theater. So like I could do this no problem, but I have to go with Angels in America, which is another HBO jam. I believe it was number one on our list of top miniseries of the 2000s. Yeah. I mean, whatever our list of top miniseries was. Angels America is. Angels is, America qualified for, it would be number one. Yeah. It's it it's brilliant. I mean, in that theater setting, in that sort of enclosed space, without the ability to sort of walk away and process things. There is, of course, a reason that they show the play in two parts. Maybe you can work in an intermission. Yeah. Walk around, get some popcorn. Right. Uh, it's the only way the theater the, would really allow the AIDS it. AIDS crisis <laughs> and uh, the meaning of life. And um, but no, I think that it is such a, a gorgeously wrought piece of cinema. I would love to see it on the on the big screen. No one asked me, but my pick. <laughs> <laughs> my pick for the miniseries I'd want to sit through is Stephen King's The Stand. It's uh, 334 minutes long. Shade over six hours. Be a long movie to sit through. But I loved that book when I was a kid. I kind of liked the miniseries when I was a child. I don't know how well it's aged. Probably not well. And you're determined to like it again. Yeah. I want some Gary Sinise. I want some Rob Lowe on the big screen. Made for the small screen, but for the big it's screen. Probably still in 4x3. Yeah, 4 by 3 You're going to get a 4x3. Oh, yikes. Gonna, That's a lot of letterboxing happening. So, guys, uh, Apple TV Plus launched on Friday, officially. It's out there in the world. And amidst that, there were also announcements last week of HBO Max and its offerings. There was actually a news item about uh, NBC's streaming service coming out that may be offered for free, Peacock, at least with an, an ad-supported version. There's probably a version gross. paid for without... Start What's gross? Ads? Early. ads are gross? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Barbs up. So, so we thought with all these uh, this plethora of streaming options, we thought it might be a good idea to play a small sort of game where you have a budget you're allotted and you have to select what you're going to go with. Uh, you no, know, it's. I mean, it was important for us to to kind of do this at least for our own education because we're we're not only entering into the streaming wars, we're entering into a new time for how people watch TV. And we've still got, there's still a bunch of people who have cable. There's a bunch of people who have satellite. Um, there's a bunch of people who have completely ditched both of those mediums and are only subscribing to streaming services however they can. Um, and then there's the people who are kind of doing both. Like maybe they're scaling back their cable packages and adding, you know, streaming channels that they just can't not have anymore. Um, so we tried to kind of put together a budget based around a blend of those two people. Like I, I looked up the, the average cable subscription is somewhere around $60 right now. Um, I think people who were cord cutters would want to have a much smaller budget than that because they don't want to pay for the 60, but there's also the people who will pay that 60 in addition to, mm -hmm. um, so we've landed on a $40 budget. Yes. There's um, a lot of consternation back and forth about what the amount should be, but we landed on $40, which is actually, I think pretty doable to get a pretty good streaming package for now but you're not going to get everything we have a lot of overlap between the three of us mm -hmm. but we diverge in very significant ways and i think that's that's interesting and i have this feeling that in six months these lists could look completely different depending yes. on how things play out in the industry yeah. especially with the licensing and, and what what will be available where right there's still yeah still a lot of deals being made um, there's still a lot of, like, the services you just mentioned, like Peacock, we don't know what it's going to look like exactly, so we don't know. I mean, it's free, so you'll do it that way if you can. But it might be worth willing, or you might be, it might be worth spending the extra money on, and then that would shift your budget. Um, but for now, looking at what we know and looking at what's being offered, and as Apple and Disney start to roll out, 
Uh, these are our prelim- preliminary picks. All right. Um, I think maybe start with one we all agreed on. Why do we all have HBO Max on our list? I mean, Watchmen. That's the easiest answer. But by the time HBO Max launches, Watchmen will have completed its season. Let me pick up this argument for Ben. Um, in this age where we are getting rid of our physical media, streaming media is is having that content at the, your fingertips is everything. So if Ben wakes up at 3 a.m. and he wants to watch, I don't know, season two, episode eight of The Leftovers, like, episode. he's gonna need to have HBO Max. And I feel that way about The Leftovers, but I also feel that way about Deadwood. I feel that way about, weirdly, Big Love. HBO, over the years, has offered so many high-quality shows. I don't want to give up access to The Sopranos. I don't want to give up access to The Wire. Um, add to that the their movie archives and and continuing to make programming that I am interested in and that I, I believe in the future of, like... I can't give up HBO at this point. Like, maybe six months from now, once the post-Game of Thrones everything and the the Warner thing all shakes out, maybe I drop HBO Max. Maybe I downgrade it. Maybe I think, oh, I don't have to live with this in my life. But right now, I, I don't know how it's an option for premium drama junkies. Yeah, and I think I think to expand on on the initial kind of gut reaction of, of Watchmen, it does represent exactly why I cannot and will not live in a world where I'm not subscribed to HBO for the foreseeable future, because that show has the kind of programming that I want to find in my streaming offerings. It's something that's challenging, exciting, that get, has people um, talking, like it, it's something you can engage in on a weekly basis, so you know you're going to get content for a longer period of time. Um, it rewards that kind of weekly viewing, which I know is is something that I'm more partial to than others. I don't really love the binge model, but um, they're still providing a ton of content like that in the future. They're still trying to make those shows that are going to challenge you a little bit and try to get people talking because they do have to continue to put it out weekly, which to me is really, really exciting. And Watchmen is just kind of the current embodiment of that. But I, do, I know that there are shows in 2020 that by the time HBO Max launches on HBO, I'm, I'm going to want to watch. And it's confusing to talk about this in terms of HBO Max versus HBO because a lot of what we're talking about is that core service that HBO is Classically already providing. HBO, yeah. But I just think of the Max as everything as a bonus. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out or what shows are going to be great or what is going to be offered entirely in that huge bundle. But I know I'm getting more movies. I know I'm getting more shows. You get I know South I'm Park. getting more access to certain things. I know I'm getting friends back, Sesame which is Street. important to me. Yeah. Um, so all of those things for the cost of what I'm paying now, which is something that a lot of people don't want to pay. They don't want to spend $15 a month uh, on a service. To me, that seems like not only a good deal, but a, a mandatory one for for anybody who wants to engage in television that's happening now. Right. Like stuff that's kind of current versus just going back and looking over. And, and again, Libby, everything you said about the shows in the past holds true as well. But if you want to stay current and you're somebody who likes to be active in the TV conversation, HBO seems like a must. Well, I will say, and this is a point that when we start talking about Disney+, Plus, Disney+, Plus is obviously a super family-friendly streaming option. If you have children, it's almost a must at this point to have Disney Plus, especially at its price point. I think what's interesting about HBO Max is even though it's more expensive, it is starting to build a library. They have the Hanna-Barbera cartoon library. They have Looney Tunes. Like that, that's, they can compete at least in the short term with what Disney has. They have at least something to offer that demographic. It may yes. not be everything that the people 
want out of their family-friendly programming, but they have options. And Sesame Street's a big part of that. Again, we go back to the the idea that it's it's not necessarily about cost, it's about value. And um, HBO Max, again, comes in with this, this big library of known quantities, which is invaluable. And I think, I don't know if we've been talking about price points, but so HBO Max is $15. It's the very top of the streaming market, but it's, you know, I think the value is there compared to something like, as Leo was mentioning, Disney Plus coming in at $7 a month. Yeah, the, of the big, sort of the big streamers, you have HBO Max at 15 Amazon Prime at 13 Netflix, the HD version of it, at 13 and then Hulu with no ads, Hulu Plus at 12 And then you have to go all the way down to $7 to get Disney Plus at its current offering. Apple TV Plus is 5 but obviously, as we spoke about last week... And the week before... Their library is not does not justify probably a $15 price point right now at this at this juncture. Right. All right, so we each have HBO Max slotted at the, what we would say is the, the number one most expensive uh, part of our budget, $15. Ben and Libby, you both have Netflix and you both have Hulu, but you went about it different ways. Ben, you're going Hulu with ads and Libby, you're going Hulu Plus and you're capping out at 40 by having HBO Max, Netflix, and Hulu Plus. I think, I think we should talk about... Netflix, especially because Leo didn't choose Netflix. Leo cut Netflix from his budget, which is honestly one of the things that a lot of people at Netflix are worried about happening because of the streaming onslaught and something that I at least personally still don't think is going to happen that often. I don't see a lot of people cutting Netflix just because it's utility. I see a lot of people cutting other things to make room for uh, what's coming out, but I think people have become so dependent on Netflix and also they have not wrapped their heads around the content split that everything is getting sectioned off into its own corners. So like what's owned elsewhere is eventually going to end up on that platform. They may be aware that the office is leaving and that friends is leaving and that those shows are going to go away eventually, but people are still looking for whatever new show is coming out via Netflix because they're used to seeing Netflix acquire stuff. Now that's not why I chose it. I chose Netflix because they are still putting out more original content. And when I say original content, I mean new series than anybody else on the market. They are putting out more shows, not necessarily the best shows, but shows that I am interested in and shows that I can have a discussion around with a lot of people, mm-hmm. and that's very, very important to me. Um, they still have a lot of shows that I love and want to be able to watch for a long period of time, like Glow, I need to see the end of that. Uh, Dear White People is going to be ending soon. Um, they've still got BoJack, which is wrapping up before we have to make a lot of this these choices and HBO comes here. out. Yeah, I'm, uh, there's a lot of things that are the, ending, like that trend there's there. also a lot of good shows coming out. To, well. to defend my choice, I think you kind of spelled it out for me in a lot of ways. I think aside from a potential Mindhunter season three, is there anything I'm going to be missing from what the list you just mentioned by the time HBO Max rolls around in in May? Like I don't know, I don't know when all the release dates are, but like everything is sort of wrapped is closing closing shop. Uh, I mean, Leo, I can tell you right now, you're going to be miss, missing The Witcher. Like you want to be able to watch oh. your new favorite television <laughs> show, The Witcher, and its subsequent seasons. So I'll, I'll see season one all of The of Witcher. The start realign, <laughs> start realigning your picks right now. Um, uh, but, but no, I, th- I think what goes undervalued by Netflix, to me at least, is sure, some of their series uh, come up short, and there's a lot of things that I'm frustrated in that they canceled, um, like Duke and Birdie. I'd love to see mm-hmm. them revisit that and, and come back with more of that, which isn't going to happen. But uh, more to the point, they come up with a lot of things that are really good in the short term. They came up with When They See Us, which is something that I respect the hell out of, even though I didn't love as much as a lot of other people did. 
Um, they came out with uh, Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. God, I always get oh, the title it's wrong. So good. Unbelievable, oh, which so is good. which is a limited series that a lot of people are talking about. Maybe not enough, but it's an incredibly good and limited series, and hopefully stays that way. They came out with the Breaking Bad movie. They came out with Springsteen on Broadway. They came out with Beyonce's you know landmark performance. Like they they come up with a lot of things that you do end up really wanting to watch. And sure, some of those may end up going in different directions as different people start picking them up. But Netflix is really good at investing in those things. And, you know, it's worth mentioning that they've had they had Roma last year. They've got The Irishman this year. They're investing in movies that are tremendous in a really serious way. And the only way you're going to be able to revisit those is if you have Netflix. So they are the ones who've only had who've had a proven track record of creating things um, in terms of original content, both TV, movies, limited series uh, in the long term that I feel like I can trust, even if there's plenty of disappointments along the way. I don't watch Netflix, I don't think, as much as as everyone else does. And the things that I do watch are leaving. Uh, Glow's ending. Bojack's ending. Two Converties already gone. Like, they, yes, they, they do come up with a lot of new shows. And then they get rid of them. And I don't know how long I can engage in that cycle. And I don't know how long it's going to be necessary for me to engage in that cycle. That said, they're still producing things like Russian Doll. They're pro- they're producing all those event things that you mentioned, the the limited series. So it's here now, and it'll probably stick around. But it's old reliable. You know, I'm not as excited about the stuff on Netflix, but but it is sort of ubiquitous. It is a utility, which is an interesting phrase because Leo and I would argue about the utility of. A different streaming service. Which none of us have on our list. Amazon oh, Prime. Right. Sure. But well, and to your point about Netflix ending things, I don't actually think that that's a Netflix problem. I think that that's a TV problem because Amazon did the same thing with all of my favorite Amazon shows. One Mississippi is over. I Love Dick is over. There's a lot of shows that were moving forward in the streaming world until people started to realize, oh, we want to start spending money on like until amazon shifted focus and now wants to go find the game next game of thrones mm-hmm. and that's their only priority um and i don't trust disney to do anything more like anything better in terms of what they release for for on you know on disney plus or on hulu uh so I, I i have to go with the ones who at least continually give four seasons to a show three seasons to a show instead of something that i have no idea like the mandalorian might is supposed to be what one season i don't know if that's an ongoing show yeah and and that's not even a reason that's not even a show that i'm that interested in and that is a bigger budget wider audience kind of show uh so i'm still going to continue to invest in the one that will give me those intimate character studies that i crave those original things that you don't see anywhere else whether it is a movie or a tv show uh until you know, they stop doing it or until I see somebody who can create it and support it in the longer term. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. But to get to Libby's other point about seeing some of these things as a utility, none of us have Amazon Prime on this list. You would argue when we were setting up the budgets that if you don't put Amazon Prime on this list, you don't get any of the content that comes with it. Libby was arguing that you get Amazon Prime for something else. You get it for two-day deliveries, and then the TV component is just an additional bonus. My big argument for not including Amazon on this list is, one, yeah, I don't think that their series can compare to the other offerings that are out there, so it's easy to eliminate the series. But I do use Amazon Prime as often as I could. However, if 
If I was forced to not use it, I would feel better about myself by shopping at independent local retailers and spending the money there, even if it costs a little bit more than I would on whatever money I saved from using Amazon Prime. So this is just an encouragement for me to be a better person. Listen, And that's listen. how I cut that from the entertainment budget too. Part of me is worried about what's going to happen to broadcast television in the streaming wars. Um, yeah. So yeah, part of it is just- Does Hulu exist, like will Hulu exist in the way that we all currently know it in say seven months, eight I, months? I don't have an answer for that question. I think we don't know. Um, I would argue that whatever we're worried about would kind would might be- eased by the fact that FX is probably going to get incorporated into that system and then we're going to have access to all of those wonderful shows. So that makes Hulu just as much of a necessity, if not more so, than it was before. But I, I, I don't, I've long praised Hulu as it is. I think I'm completely in agreement with Libby in terms of it being something that I'm enthusiastic to spend the money for because it seems like I'm getting so much for my money. I can almost always find something on Hulu to watch that I'm excited, that i either forgot that I needed to watch or I didn't realize it'd come back or like it's a surprising kind of endeavor every time. And that's because it's got a lot of broadcast TV shows. Um, I just went with the ads option so that I could afford another one. Uh, I definitely watch it without ads right now. So I think we've gotten down to the nitty gritty. Libby, you're out. You had HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu. I'm an old person. 40 bucks. I like what I know. I like what I like. The I'm big, happy with my choices. The big three and per your argument, you're going to be paying for Amazon Prime anyway. Because I'm a terrible person. And so you get Amazon so Prime. So I can watch Philly Bag whenever I want. I don't argue it's because you're a terrible person. I just argue that for the purposes of this, we had to d differentiate between like... I agree. I just want whatever. Amazon to know that <laughs> they're still in my heart. Jack Ryan forever. Jack Ryan season two, streaming now. I will say one thing we haven't talked about before we get to your final pick, which is Apple TV Plus. The bundle that I think I've spoken of in the past of Hulu with ads, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus is probably something that's going to seem on the surface very attractive to a lot of people, but is probably not the value people think because it's not ESPN. It's just ESPN Plus. It's, you can watch E360 whenever you want or the 30 for 30 docs, and you're getting like the very low market college football games. Libby and I did not choose Disney Plus. Yes. Uh, I definitely could have. Libby could have if she scrounged for that money and was willing to take ads, but she she didn't. She chose she not to take ads. for that dollar. Leo, you absolutely incorporated it into mm -hmm. your budget. I You've said that from the start since we first started talking about this. I, Why Disney Plus? I mean, I signed up for Disney Plus early uh, the D23 weekend. I will get, I am signed up for the next three years for $3 a month. So this does, the $7 amount does not even. It's a lie. Myth, does not even apply to me. I could have got Shutter twice. Um, <laughs> I'm buying Shutter for me, for my family. Everybody's getting Shutter. Okay, uh, so I went with Disney Plus for several reasons. I am in the bag, as I've said before, for the MCU. I'm excited about the fact that Kevin Feige is now in charge of uh, Marvel TV. If everyone could see Ben's face right now, I, it's like he's, in a, he's like he's in a coma, but like a bored coma. <laughs> Uh, He's so unhappy. Sick coma. There's there's like nausea in there. Too. Okay, I I want to see how these shows connect to the to the grander Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm sorry. Uh, and to be fair, I I am interested in the Mandalorian. Listen, there's one thing to be excited about. 
in The Mandalorian, and it's Werner Herzog. It's Werner Herzog. Oh, yeah, yeah. We we're can all agree on that. I think Golden Globes, we've already, supporting actor. We've already started, we've started the, the campaign. campaign. So for me, Disney Plus, yeah, it, it doesn't offer that much, but I recognize that for fucking 90% of America, it offers everything they've ever looked for. So it's, it is very hard to argue with the, especially the three bucks a month thing. Like, but even, even seven, six ninety nine, seven bucks a month. Also to me, it's just like, if something proves that mandatory, like that's how much it would cost for me to rent one of these movies mm-hmm. through iTunes. So I'll right. just do it for the month and then cancel it because I don't need it all the time. I mean, I, and I totally see your point is valid that like the content may not be super exciting, especially the original content they're coming out with but for the majority of people i mean th- that bus ad where it's all the brands next to each other and then bart simpson is is graffitiing the simpsons next to it it's like disney pixar nat geo star wars marvel and then boom simpsons it's like that no that's again, all that's I'm, all you need i'm in the minority i think they're doing a great job with their ads i think they're going to do a great job with their platform in general um but but for my personal budget that's why i didn't include Disney and I don't plan to. And you picked Apple TV Plus. I did. I had I had the money left. I decided to go with Apple mainly because of the shows that are coming out. Uh there's not a lot in their initial launch that I will uh adhere, like just have to keep watching or come back to over the next few weeks. But you know, Servant is coming out. Servant is M Night Shyamalan. It sounds fucking crazy, so let's see what they've got going on there. There's a new Aaron Paul, uh, Octavia Spencer show coming out. Great. Sold. There's also a little show uh, starring one of our podcast favorites, Justin Theroux, that's, you know, currently casting, getting ready to shoot. So what are we going to do? I wrote down a few. There was actually a few surprising uh, Apple shows that I'd forgotten about. Like, um, oh, Lauren Bouchard, the Bob's Burgers creator, has Mm -hmm. a a Central Park show that's a musical animated original. Uh, That sounds great. Little America from... Um, the team behind, why am I blanking on the Kumail. movie's name? The, the Big Sick? Yeah, it's Kumail. Oh, yeah. It's Kumail and... The Big yeah. Sick. The Big yep. Sick? Um, Kumail and Emily. And then, uh, you know, Joe Scored Lovett has his own show coming out. And then... Uh, You're Mythic psyched for that? Quest. I am psyched for Joe Scored Lovett's show. Mm. I think he's pretty... You can't uh, just list things person. and say no. you're excited for all of them yeah. equally. I'm not, it's not equal. Okay. Justin Thoreau is the top okay. most exciting thing, but I'd forgotten that these were even coming in terms of what Apple is yeah. offering. Libby... Yes. We're in into November at this point. Oh, dang it. Do you have a show on Quibi yet? I don't. And that's not, I'm not subscribing to it. None, none of us subscribe to Quibi. No. I think because they don't have a show with Libby. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. I was close, but then I remembered Libby doesn't have a show. Thank you for your grudging solidarity. But yeah. I just really want to see the, the Varsity <laughs> Blues reboot. Well, fair. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about her TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at A Million Screens, Midwest Spitfire, and Bent Traverse. (laughs) And I'm Leo Adrian Garcia. If you like the show, tell your friends. They won't even have to try that hard to find us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and soon we'll be on Stitcher. This has been Libby and Leo reminding you, as always, that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.